question that changed it all for me after serving as the director of the medical triage unit at the New Orleans Convention Center was not why were there so many victims. What really challenged me was this. Why is it that some people don't become victims? Frankly, what I discovered made me uncomfortable. It challenged me to redefine my purpose, to reignite my passion, and to become resilient. I'm Dr. Dan Diamond. If you want to make a difference with your life, if you want to leave a legacy, you're going to want to chew on this stuff for a while. Let's take a look at comfort versus calling, the key to impacting your world. You know, our society has become infatuated with victims. When disaster strikes, we're drawn to the television. Staring at the screen, we reassure ourselves that at least our lives are not that bad. And so we comfortably settle into the couch. It reminds me of the student I spoke to recently. When I asked him how he was doing in school, he replied, Well, not bad. I'm not getting any Fs. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Seriously? You're not getting any Fs? Buddy, you're facing the wrong direction. Inch by inch, over the past couple of decades, our society has strayed from the challenge of the hero in favor of the comfortable, numbing somnolence induced by focusing on the victim. A media that knows exactly what we want has numbed us. We want to be comfortable. Our families, our corporations, and our nation have paid a tremendous cost. As we disengage and choose comfort over challenge, our society suffers tremendously. It has blunted our competitive edge in the world, and it's time for us to wake up, shake off the fog, and set our gaze on the hero. It's time to get uncomfortable. You know, there's some things that I just can't get out of my head about Katrina. I can still see one of the women that was being interviewed by CNN. She was a large woman that was standing there holding her daughter's hand as she shouted at the CNN reporter, when is George Bush going to bring me some food? If you want to get some insights into how people behave under pressure, it helps to look at two primary axes, power and purpose. Back in 1954, a guy named Julian Rotter from the University of Connecticut described this concept that he came up with called locus of control. Victims believe that they're powerless. All power exists external to them and things happen to them. In their own eyes, they're completely at the mercy of someone else. Someone else has the power. Sadly, this external locus of control causes people to disengage. In the workplace, they become a drain on resources and productivity. At home, powerless people can bring a family to their knees. What strikes me most about the Katrina woman, however, is that she didn't ask Mr. Bush to bring her daughter some food. Completely unaware of the needs surrounding them, victims look out only for themselves. They ask, if I don't look out for number one, who will? And their own needs consume them as they fight to get whatever they can. Their survival and pleasure of self drives them and becomes their defining purpose. 
They do not believe, comprehend, or see the economy of giving. Victims are powerless takers, clueless that they even have a choice. They can't see the way out. They wait for others to take care of them, and so they remain paralyzed. Some of them might not even be interested in change because it's too much work. For others, it goes much deeper. Not only is power external to them, but so is responsibility. In the workplace, the drain of the victim leads teams to fragmentation and workarounds. Thrivers, on the other hand, are powerful givers. They leave a lasting impression. For example, the Germans captured Viktor Frankl, a Jewish psychiatrist during World War II, and for seven years they tortured him in the concentration camps. He later authored a book called Man's Search for Meaning, and in that book he said, quote, The one thing you can't take away from me is the way I choose to respond to what you do to me, unquote. Thrivers realize full well that they have a choice when it comes to both axes, to power and to purpose. They know that no one can take away their right to choose to be powerful, and no one can take away their right to choose to be a giver. Although it's an encouraging revelation to understand that no one can take the choice away, the realization also comes with a great deal of responsibility. Truthfully, it can make me downright uncomfortable. Let me explain why. Eight o'clock in the morning, the day after Hurricane Katrina came ashore, and the people in New Orleans thought they'd been spared, Police Sergeant Bailey was working in his yard. He was hauling these huge oak branches into a big pile and cleaning all the debris when he heard a large sound. Looking down the street, he saw a gigantic wall of water barreling down the street towards him. Quickly springing into action, he ran to his car to get his weapons out. His plan was... If there was ever anything like that that happened, he would get his weapons out of his trunk and hide them in a secret compartment up in his attic. So he grabbed his weapons, fought the water, went into his front door, and climbed up two flights of stairs. He hid the weapons in a secret hiding place. And then when he turned around, he realized for the first time that the water had followed him up the stairs. He had that split-second decision to make. Do I go up in the attic and hope the water doesn't come up anymore? Or do I swim two stories down and try not to drown going through my front door? Debating back and forth, he finally decided he was going to swim for it. So he took several deep breaths, one big last breath, and dove. He would swam down the first flight of stairs, turned, swam the other flight of stairs, came across his entryway out through the front door, and then burst up next to his house, gasping for air as he grabbed onto the gutter. He threw his leg up, climbed up onto the roof, and took his radio out and called for help, saying, this is Sergeant Bailey, the levee broke, send help, I'm trapped on my roof. The 911 operator came back and said, Sergeant Bailey, stand by, we'll get to you as soon as we can. And then the radio went dead. He paced back and forth on his roof for what he thinks was probably about 10 hours. Because he didn't really want to jump into the water and swim for it. The water, after all, didn't look at all like lake water. It looked much more like the water you might find in an outhouse. I mean, I've had situations like that before where I didn't want to jump off my roof and get involved and jump into the stuff. 
But finally, he decided if he was going to make a difference, he was going to have to swim. So he dove in, swam to his neighbor's house, held onto their gutter for a while, swam to another neighbor's house and stood up on top of their van and caught his breath. And he kept swimming and swimming and swimming. He thinks he went for about a mile before he was rescued by some people in a 17-foot aluminum boat. Together, they spent the next four days rescuing people. Committed to make a difference, they continued to rescue people even when people were shooting at them. Getting involved is costly. Life involves risk. It's counterintuitive that when I give myself away, I'll actually gain more than if I look out for number one. But I can tell you, from thousands of closed-door conversations with patients from all walks of life, this is unquestionably true. How would your relationships change if you took up the goal of investing yourself and others to make them into heroes? Imagine the power of a team of people, either at work or at home, that all shared a common goal. I will lay down myself to make the other people on this team into heroes. So how do you see yourself? Powerless or powerful? Taker or giver? Remember, you have a choice. How would your life and the lives you impact look if you chose to be a powerful giver. The choice is yours, and no one can take that away from you, no matter what. I'm Dr. Dan Diamond.